Welcome to Living the Authentic Life. I'm here with my buddy, Matthew Massey, and he is Madame Zero Champagne. Oh my God. One of the only things I like as much as fashion is champagne and maybe chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) So we were talking about, before we started, when we met, we couldn't really remember, but it was Early on, and you were saying before you even had a website, you came over with your champagne, and we were blown away by it, and the fact that it's lower in sugar, and it has a beautiful, empowered woman on the label. I was like, this guy is going to be my buddy. So welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. Thrilled to be here. Yeah. So you guys have had this crazy journey. It feels probably long to you because Mm -hmm. it's from reading the journey that took you to even creating it. Mm -hmm. But to me on the outside, it feels like you've just propelled as a rocket into being in so many places. So let's start with, you've won a couple of significant awards. Tell us what those are. Yeah, so it's been, as you mentioned, it's been a journey. Uh Um, Even award-wise, it's been quite a journey. So. We came out, um, submitted for the rodeo wine competition about two years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, we ended up taking a silver medal the last two years, wow. which has been amazing. We're very Chills. grateful, yeah. um, you know, to have that sort of accolade. And then this past uh, fall, we ended up submitting to Decanter in London, uh-huh. and uh, we took a silver medal with a 93 there. Uh, and this is all without zero sugar, competing against the other brands that are, you know, very craft, very beautiful style. So. We got a silver there, and then we took a gold at the Small A Choice Awards, and that's in Cali. That was in San Francisco, and that was a 94 score. So all that was pretty amazing. So those are, you know, this year, three awards for the Blanc de Blanc, and then we also got three awards, very similar accolades with the the beautiful rosé that we released earlier in the year. So, I mean, it's, it's hard because oftentimes you're doing the work, and you're putting in the effort, and you don't get noticed and you have to keep going, Mm -hmm. but you were noticed so quickly. And I think the reason why is because you spent so much time on the research, on the meaning, on the purpose. And that's what we do on Living the Authentic Life. I found that there's this similar thread with people I meet who have found a way to come alive and Mm -hmm. found a way to find a profession that's also a mission, that's also a passion, that also makes the world a better place, and to live that life, and you're doing it. And when I met you that first day, I felt like there was something different, but then when I tasted your champagne, I could taste that there was something different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, pursuing a passion is different from pursuing any other type of business. Because as we know, it's um, there's so much work that goes in on the front end. And what I found early days, you know, through entrepreneurial friends that I have, is that you've got to be involved in every part of the process. So all the steps. So from the front end, it took us about seven years to create and launch the champagne that's aged five years. So on the front end, putting in all that effort, Uh, there's been a lot of challenges that we've had along the way. And then that led up to actually meeting you and launching in the market, meeting you when we didn't have a website yet two years ago. (laughs) So it's been, you know, this, it's been a passionate journey all the way. 
and it's been a very um very amazing journey a lot of chapters but i think with pa with your passion if you're doing something that you truly enjoy you truly love i think that's what really gets you through some of these chapters that can be quite daunting and uh very very hard to get quite through daunting is the word okay so I just had a class reunion or a reunion with girlfriends and we went back to Texas A&M. One of my friends lives in New York, moved there in 88, had not been back to College Station since 1988. And for whatever reason, the 10 girls, we all, um, and ironically, I think five or six of us are still working full time, like really intense in our careers. Uh -huh. We're like, what was your first job? What was your worst job? What was the ickiest job you did? And I love that you started working um, as, was it a busboy or as a server or when you, and then you evolved yeah. through the restaurant business and you had a mentor that kind of brought you up. And mm -hmm. I, mine was actually working and mine was kind of a princess problem, but I was living in Vail <laughs> in Beaver Creek with my family, but I wanted to get a job and I, volunteer or worked for Vail Associates and they were doing a lot of construction. It was 1987 and I was responsible for setting up all the food service for the construction workers. So mm -hmm. I have to bring the bleach buckets out and clean all the tables and set everything up and lift it all. And I got in good shape. But one morning <laughs> I reached my hand in the bleach bucket and there was a dead rat in it <laughs> that I touched and I was like, I can't believe this is my life. <laughs> but I'm in Vail, Colorado, so maybe I'm okay. <laughs> but I think it's humbling to know that we lead these glamorous lives, but we started from yeah. the the core and we still are sticking our hand in a bleach bucket. Yeah. yeah. Doing that work. So tell us from your beginning to how you even ended up being the owner of a champagne brand that's highly successful around the world. Wow. So it all started off with Sandra Bullock and a Bentley. <laughs> okay, but... that's not lame. That's <laughs> but we're going to take it. We're going to take it back. So, so, you know, your bleach bucket story is a great uh -huh. one. So I started out as a restaurant in Galveston. You know, uh -huh. being from Galveston, uh, uh -huh. I was actually from the West End. We didn't have air conditioning until I was 13. So what? I don't know how my sister dealt with it. Like with the humidity, the hair, I just think about it now. And uh, cause she's a couple years older. So she was about 15 when we finally get AC. Um, no. But we roughed okay. it, you know, we lived on the West End, but I grew up with a lot of love, just not a lot of money. Um, and you know, it's it, it was a very, uh, I was a beach baby. It was a, it was very much like a, a beach life that I lived growing wow. up. And when I hit about 15, I figured out that there was a very specific BMW that I had to have and I wanted a new one as well. So my mom gave me, she gave me a, a crisp white shirt and she said, look, you know, there's Guido's. It's a great restaurant on the seawall. She was like, you know, go for it. And I started out making stuffed shrimp in the back expediting food, you know, running food to tables. And, you know, I worked with a lot of characters having to stuff shrimp and, you know, it's, it's been, you know, that, that chapter was, was interesting. And I learned a lot about that industry, but I also learned that with my passion for cars, that I needed to do something else. So <laughs> you're like, this is not going to get me to that. No, not at all. <laughs> And I don't know if I have to do this to get the BMW. I don't know that I want to do this. So 
At 18, I was able to secure my dream job at the time, which was valet parking, San Luis Hotel. I was about three months into this glamorous career. Uh, it was amazing too, because I was valeting everything you can imagine. That's epically smart. I never thought of that. Then you get to drive all the cool cars. Yeah, you get to experience <laughs> them. And, and, you know, and I got to test drive my BMW at the, or the similar to what I wanted. I was like, yes, this is the car I really want. And yes, wow. that, that all these Ferraris that I'm driving, that's the car that I need yeah. <laughs> eventually. Yeah. But it was an amazing experience until about three months in. And it was amazing, it continued to be amazing, but Sandra Bullock came in and it was my rotation to valet the car, take the luggage up. So this was like the moment, right? So valet the car, take the luggage up and then get to the room and they say, look, we want to go downtown. Is there any way you can, you can help make that happen? And I immediately thought about the black and chrome Bentley that we had out front that I'd been salivating on that was the SLH car, the St. Louis Hotel house vehicle. And the town car that we typically took people in wasn't really going to be sufficient for Sandra, of course. So yes. I did what was appropriate that night and she had a wig. I took Sandra. She called me about 1.30. Matthew, come pick me up. So I went and picked her up, took her back. No incident with the exception of her having a hell of a good time that night. Yes! It was a Sandra night, let the hair down. And Monday when I come in, they say, HR needs to see you. Oh no. And of course, like me being all about service, you know, I knew, I knew that it was a compliment. It's yeah, gotta be, right? Like, oh, they would have told me I did a great job. Exactly, like, I don't know, maybe they left like an extra tip. Who knows what HR, it's gotta be good. So I go down there, they, they firstly say, look, you know, you, you took, you took that guest out, right? And I agreed to it. And they said, well, do you know you didn't have insurance on that car? And I didn't even own the shirt on my back at the time. You know, so I was like, oh, that's not good. Oh, well, go ahead and add me to the insurance, right? And then we'll be covered <laughs> for the next trip. Uh, no, that's not really how this works. So we end up going, I end up from there, I end up getting into the discussion about, oh, a manager should have approved it. So. Short story is the next week, I even though they said they put me on probation, I concluded that I was going to get let go from this job, which I did get let go. But in the meantime, I went ahead and got a new a new job going back in the restaurants. Went to this this really, really cute little Italian restaurant called Luigi's on the Strand, 24th and Strand. A lot of a lot of people will remember that that location, that place. It was a beautiful little place that I, I started at. But it was iconic. Yeah, it was. I feel it was. Like I've been there. Yeah. It was in an old, uh, an old bank building. It was really yeah. cool. They had a, a tables in a vault. It was beautiful. Wow. Very well wow. done. Yeah, and and from there, you know, that's where I started off. My first table ordered a bottle of wine. I had no clue how to open the bottle, and I was extremely yeah. intimidated with wine. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, it was the most foreign thing that I'd ever witnessed, and they explained to me, Luigi in particular, look. He said, look, Matthew, if you want to make money, if you want to buy that BMW, like you're, you told me you're working toward, he said, because his son had the same car that I wanted, the same color. And we always talked about cars. He Talk said, about look. about manifesting. Like you had it, you were, you had it there in front of you every day. I did. It was cool. Even in high school, we did, um, you know, we, we started to, uh, we started to look at um, 
you know, really start looking at like what we need, what we wanted. We manifested. I had one class where we did a lot of manifesting and that's where that car really resonated. So it, it really drove me to learn wine. And that's the beauty of manifesting and really setting your goals high. It, it drove me to learning about all the wines. Luigi had the servers really take me under their wing because they were all much older than me. And that's where I learned Italian wine, shifting that to Houston. I learned, um, learned all about uh, old world wine from France uh, to Spain and then also the new world wine. Working at Sullivan's is my first restaurant. I just moved up here to go to college. And then from there, um, my best friend was studying for his master sommelier when we were about 21. Um, and I mean, we basically learned all we could and, you know, I drank the rest. And we, we tried a lot of great wine and I said, and I said, look, dude, how are we going to master wine? How are you going to master wine when we're not even, we've never even been to Europe. We never got mm -hmm. to travel. We didn't grow up with money. You know, mm -hmm. we, we never saw really anywhere outside of Texas. Mm -hmm. So that was the point where I got my degree in business, um, to, to focus in on and wine you, distribution. You finished pretty well. I think you said magna cum laude mm -hmm. at U of H. I mean, yeah. You put the work in, you put the hours in mm -hmm. and you were working Yeah, and you were manifesting and you were probably having fun. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, absolutely. And you know, put we were my... talking about that before too. <laughs> that balance, it's yeah. important, especially when you're representing a brand that's about celebrating sure. that you know how to celebrate. Absolutely. And you know what it means. Absolutely. Yeah. Keep going. So with with the the best friend, the master sommelier, <laughs> going through that process as he was learning, uh, we concluded that we we were going to have to get out of the restaurant industry to really get the get the vacation, to be able to do the traveling, to make oh, the money. Yeah. I decided though after you know really looking at wine distribution, I was going to pay less than the restaurant industry, and I was going to work more hours. Yeah. So I was like, this isn't really making the car thing this, this, this kind of further away, the chasing this passion and living this dream. I, I think that I'm just going to get burned out. So, mm -hmm. and you don't want to burn out on a passion. It's similar to someone who you know, loves playing the guitar, but you know, they, they, they can't really make the right amount of money. They can't get any sort of balance playing that guitar. Sometimes you got to just kind of put it up and play it on the side. And that's why I decided to get into oil and gas, mm -hmm. did international business for 18 years. Um, and everywhere I went, I focused on the terrars of the wine world from South Africa to Italy, which that great friend has a little place in, in uh, Piedmonte there. Um, you know, it's beautiful, really close to the town of Alba. Mm -hmm. Amazing place in Truffles. the heart of wine country. Truffle country all the way. Alba, so yes. it's a white truffle country, black mm -hmm. truffle country, exactly where okay, they're at. I do have to stop you. What is that word? I didn't... Terrors? Is that... Terrar? Terrar, what is that? So there's no direct French to English translation, but it's similar to terrain. So terrar is like, it's it's the place. It's like, it, it really goes down to the ground, the grapes, the soil, it's like the place. So terrar, like with our champagne, the terrar is- Like the is, hectare? Like yeah, you could say hectare. Hector is like, you know, essentially- Amount, like- Hector's the, yeah, it's like the quantified basis, but mm -hmm. terrar is in, it's, it's a French term. So it would be, um, it's like the place in terms of the village and uh. it's very specific to the village. So terrar, like for instance, with our champagne, it's from a, um, you know, this little, these plot, our plots are in a, a little terrar called the, in a village called Vertu, a very iconic place. Okay. Uh, and yeah, but terrar is, is essentially, um, there's no tr true translation, but it's like terrain. 
is okay. probably the that most makes direct. Sense to me. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I that's how that, I think about it. Yeah, I love that you're saying that because it is how deep you went with the meaning and where you chose to have it. All mm -hmm. that has so much purpose in defining what you created. Absolutely. It isn't an accident. And these other respected, known, can we use the word voob or not? Sure. You can use any <laughs> any of the big any of the big Mason large they, brands. Yeah, yeah. But they're using from all these different places and you're so about where it's from. And I think I'm from Italian descent uh -huh. and and I notice it and even too with us being Texans, right? Instead of we're we're Texans more than we're even Americans. And you were well Sicilian said. even more than you were Italian. Yeah. So I feel like it matters in that group of people what terrar you're from, what Absolutely. area you take it. It has more meaning than people think. Absolutely. It, it very much so. And it's very guarded as well from not just where you're from, but even where your where your grapes are from or specific with our champagne. And that's uh -huh. why I set out, there's 319 villages in Champagne. The likes of Avuv, a Moet, the uh -huh. large houses will blend up to a hundred. Uh -huh. So you don't really know what's in the bottle. There's a lot of blending. So <clears throat> essentially I set out with the business I was doing in France, going uh -huh. back about, let's say now it's probably been 10 to 12 years, uh -huh. really trying to understand the singularity of the different, uh -huh. the different villages and why there's so much blending, why the sugar is added. Um, got about three years into this journey and I really, I started to develop a very, very well technically un technical understanding of the mm -hmm. different terrars, the different styles, the different mm -hmm. characteristics. Um, and I didn't believe there's anything with an exceptional cost price ratio that was absolutely delicious. And then me being very fitness focused, mm -hmm. um, you know, and living in, into living a balanced lifestyle. I don't think you should be punished for having that. Let's just call it a third glass or a fourth glass. I don't think, sugar is needed in champagne that was one of my conclusions is why are we covering up imperfections in the wine with sugar and it took about three years and that's where i i decided to partner uh with a grower that's eight generations in and grows this beautiful chardonnay we focus in on you know 47 year old vines transparency with everything that we do um we're aging five full years with covid we got to four we decided to wait a whole year because my friends in the uh, restaurant industry, the Psalms, they said, look, we can't even visit with you right now. So we parked everything in France. Sh aging champagne an extra year is never a bad thing. So oh. just more beautifully balanced. So we went from okay. four years to five. And when we came into the market, you know, that exceptional quality where we, you know, we, as you mentioned earlier, we took the rodeo competition, yeah. the decanter, um, you know, and, and, and that was really the, the drive was to create something special. I have a hard time remembering my thoughts and I'm so excited. First of all, the rodeo is not just Houston. It is actually a very respected, um, international, internationally respected mm -hmm. place for wines, champagnes mm -hmm. to be. So it, even though it's here in Houston, don't think it's just a passing thing. It has so much meaning, but I want to go back to what you said before, because, um, about the cost and about the cost relation mm -hmm. because being in our business of pre-owned luxury, mm -hmm. we understand that there's the aspirational buyer and then there's the buyer that made it and wants to have things 
that wants to buy at a value. Yeah. They might have a bunch in the bank, but they want to buy at a value like a pre-owned car. Sure. Instead of, so it is a thought. You look at a menu and you're going to say, oh, where do these prices fall? So where do your prices fall in relation to these other champagnes? Can we talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I mean, we're, so our goal was to be in line uh, with existing non-vintage champagne, the likes of, um, you know, even even a brand like like Above, for instance. Mm -hmm. Like we, we really wanted to be in line with them where we would be able to uh, partner with restaurants by the glass. We're in about mm -hmm. 17 in Houston by the glass, about 50 in total, uh, quite a few in Dallas as well. But the, wow. the placement is very important for by the glass to make sure that you get the introductions um, yes. continually going and flowing. And that's and essentially what we did. And people asking for it by yeah. brand yeah. as opposed to, yes, and not even looking at a menu, but saying, do you have yeah. Tito's? Do you have Casamigos? Do you have Madame Zero? Like yeah. that known. Absolutely. And then um, another thing that I feel like is so different. So I feel like I grew up with a lot of opportunities for my family. And, but I couldn't spend money on fashion. That was not where my dad wanted. So I wanted, that was my goal was mm -hmm. to be able to spend money on fashion. But um, it was a different life then too. We weren't opening champagne weekly, monthly, even annually. It mm -hmm. wasn't, now it's like such a, should I open a, go home after work? Should we open a bottle? It's, it's a different, life has evolved so much mm -hmm. in what people's perception is to of champagne and how often they drink it. Is there... That's a great point. And, and how we think of it. Mm -hmm. Because it used to be for graduation. And now it's like, it's my requested thing I drink when, mm -hmm. instead of wine. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the category too. Sure, like, sure. Is it grown? What happened during COVID? Like, tell us a little bit about that part of the journey. Absolutely. So I think I think it's interesting that you mentioned champagne in that light. Because let's go real real quick though. Take a step to the side. Think about tequila though. When you think about tequila, you think about growing up. We think about specifically about tequila. You should just be something you took a shot of, right? And then you had a really like it ended up being a really wild night, right? Yes. Uh, and, and now it's like. My low sugar go-to for your old fashioned or your ranch water yes, or ranch you drink water, it neat. It's a sipping yeah. tequila. So our palates have evolved, but one of the key reasons they've yeah. evolved is because of quality with the tequila. We see it elevated. We're not drinking Cuervo. Like we don't go out and ask for Cuervo. No one no. does. It's no. hard to even find it these days. Yeah. Um, even Patron is yeah, mass produced think... we don't really drink patron no. often even though you know it's a, it's a solid brand and mm -hmm. the, you know they established tequila so right. we have to give them credit it's a similar with the big brands that we're familiar with that mm -hmm. like the yellow label you mentioned earlier yeah. there's a lot of other champagnes that have right. had um you know the same sort of impact or you have american sparkling that really put a bad Literally oh, a bad yeah. taste in everyone's mouth on New Year's Eve where we popped that bottle. Maybe we even drink out of the bottle. We had a fun night and then we woke up the next day and paying for it. And had a horrible it. hangover mm -hmm. from champagne. Same thing with tequila. Whereas now those are like when you can drink yours or you drink. Yeah. You don't wake up with that hangover because you're not drinking bad stuff. Absolutely. And it's pure. And I mean, 
so much of our branding too is about authenticity. The world is wanting to be transparent. Yeah. The absolutely foods, um, even brands on how they're making bags or, or where they're being made, what yeah. country, by whom, mm -hmm. all that. And it is a all of our packaging. I never remember as a kid looking at packaging or worrying about what contents were in it. And now we're really able to do that. So I think it's, sure. it's interesting that you were able to bring two things because you don't think of drinking and being healthy. Unless it's red wine, because for whatever reason, they told us that that was okay. <laughs> and we believed them. It better be a dry red wine or we don't pay for it. That's exactly. for sure. So let's talk about that authenticity more and dive into that, those mechanics. Because I was really surprised to learn some of those things. Because we were, for whatever reason, we believed Vuv was great. But it isn't that great is it i mean so, i don't want to offend <laughs> so with traditional champagne they're adding in sugar to cover up imperfections in the base yeah. wine so when you start out with ex exceptional quality fruit when you're only growing it in this one little iconic place uh -huh. where we have 47 year old vines uh -huh. that aging just gives us this balance where we don't need the sugar so if you were to remove the sugar from something like a Vuv or a Moet, which can mm -hmm. be you know upwards of, of 15 grams uh, per liter, mm -hmm. um, 12, 12, about 12 grams a bottle-ish, mm -hmm. you, and then the residual sugar is mm -hmm. gonna be higher because they age 12 months, first five years. Your, your overall flavor profile, like if you let that champagne lose the bubbles, uh -huh. it's not gonna drink, it's, 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 it's not gonna be as palatable. And ultimately getting away from the sugars makes the champagnes actually being, it has aromatics like a white wine more so. Uh -huh. So when you smell our champagne in a white wine glass, it's got honey and this beautiful ripe fig and white flower. Mm -hmm. So it's so great when it comes to accompanying food. Uh -huh. So you're seeing this transition where champagne essentially is the new white wine with a little bit of, of texture, right? Because of the bubbles and you know, it's yes. white wine isn't that sexy when you fall in love with champagne. I, I exactly. will say, yeah. I never order white wine for whatever reason. It gives me a headache or red doesn't and champagne doesn't. So I don't know what the difference is. It could be psychological because I don't want to drink white wine. <laughs> I don't know. But um, everybody has to figure out what what works for them. Absolutely. So you, you started in the market mm -hmm. um, with, tell us how, like what you decided to start with and how you've grown from that. Because I feel like, some people hesitate. They feel like when they come out with a brand, they have to have all these things working. Mm -hmm. But I remember even from being in the marble and granite industry, I worked there with my family business for 22 years. Mm -hmm. There was a supplier in town and all they had was um, green marble and two other colors of a limestone. And that's all they sold. But they did it really well. Mm -hmm. And I've, I'm glad that you felt comfortable doing that or you kind of hesitant oh, i can't just offer one thing or did you know that like you have to build the path that's such a great question um i don't think anyone really thinks of that now that we have three they just think that's kind of how we started or they yeah. forget the past so it's it's so relevant um so i knew a hundred percent 
probably 200%. I, I was, uh-huh. I was all in and this wasn't from anything that anyone told me. I knew that we had to really carve our niche space in the market uh-huh. with no confusion of multiple products, multiple labels. We yeah. had to go all in on one so for all brilliant. of 12 months, yes. like all in, all in, all in with one. Chill. That is such a smart marketing mind because people do get confused. Everyone you just see everything. What do they say? They have to see it 10 or 12 times to make a decision mm-hmm. to feel like it's comfortable. Even that's true with politicians. We just had an election. One guy was telling me, yeah, I just need to have name recognition mm-hmm. to have somebody vote for me sometimes. Yeah. So it's, oh yeah, I had that at a party and I had fun or I tried that and I liked it. And yeah. it is different. The bottle's different. Absolutely. I mean, you invested in that. You spent money on even the, um, I think I have one over here because I love even the cage. The muslet cap. Yeah. The cage. Yes. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's always on the details. I say, you know, it really is. Oh yeah. Look at this (laughs) sassy, fabulous woman. I want to be her friend. I want to be at a party with her. Like she's got on this. It's, I don't know, cat eye. It just is so she seems like she's in charge of her life and she makes good decisions and she'd be a good friend to me. And I know she's <laughs> So we did a, so the reason we, we made her, uh, and it, it was cause it's a modern Madame. And when you think about our champagne, it's a modern style, extended aging, the zero, the ultimate, ultimately 0.3 grams of sugar, the ultra low sugar. Um, and it's all derivative of the quality and the style. So, Vu, for instance, has the iconic Madame that could be my grandmother. And, you know, that's a very traditional style of champagne and there's nothing wrong with it in any way. But um, our style though, our brand, we had to focus in on a a very modern package and a modern Madame. And I love that you kind of put this over her eyes. It just occurred to me because she could be my age or she could be Danette's age and she could be any age with any woman. And I think that that's meaningful too because we don't want to be defined by our age. Exactly. It's anyone who's selective with what they consume. And that's why I named Madame Zero, Madame Zero. It's about mm-hmm. the Madame. It's about my mother, my sister, the the two strong women in my life that, um, you know, really oh. help shape me. And they're select whenever they're selective with what they enjoy, with what they consume. Um, you know, that's what really led me back to the Madame not really having any, any face, but her having the mask. Cause you know, it's being selective at any age with, regardless of ethnicity, there's, you know, it's we're anyone that consumes Madame zero is a Madame. Oh, I like that. So, um, all right. I interrupted you. So you came out with, what do you call the first? So we came out with the version. initial release, the, the uh-huh. Blanc de Blanc, um, five-year aged and ultimately 0.3 grams of sugar. It's the one we talked about earlier that has won the awards. But um, this is the quintessential classic release. Um, You know, for anyone that likes a traditional champagne, this is just a beautiful, beautiful balanced champagne. A lot of rich ripe citrus and lemon. It's just very beautiful. But it's more of a classic style though. and then we launched our rosé. Uh, after about 15 months in the market, we came in with the, the extra age rosé. Mm-hmm. And you know, this guy, it's it's absolutely gorgeous, and it's oh, an evolution yes. of the Blanc de Blanc. So it's only yes. 10% Pinot I Noir. I dress purple today. For oh you. yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> Love it. Perfect. And I bought this blouse in Saint Tropez. It's by a French designer. So see, 
Love We're it. completely on brand. Beautiful. French on French. <laughs> so yeah, we but waited. I do like pink. Jeanette can hold that with her pink hair. <laughs> and, and then your most recent. And then our, our baby here, the meal, which our uh, I mean, I, I got I have chills. The the packaging, the every part of it, the gold. <gasps> So yeah, we only do a thousand of these and wow. uh, it's the Tete de Cuvée, the first and freshest press. So the beauty here is everyone that loved the Blanc de Blanc has had to enjoy the rosé and experience it and they uh -huh. love that. This is the, the grandest release to date. So with those 47 year old vines, nine year aged, uh -huh. it's got notes of lychee and fresh peach, apricot, we get a little bit of white raspberry that's beautiful. So 15% Pinot Noir, 80, 85% Chardonnay. This is the ultimate expression of the little Vertu village where we grow the fruit. Uh -huh. So this guy's very special. And uh, our process starts off with handpicking the fruit. So this package is all done by hand. You'll notice it's, it's not yeah. perfect, but it was oh. all applied by hand. So oh. the process starts by hand, it finishes by hand. Oh. And it's just a, um, we believe a beautiful, this, beautiful expression of yes. champagne. And something you would keep, like as a keepsake. So tell us the price point of this. Uh, so this one's two twenty five. We uh -huh. we still have a pre sale going, and it's uh, it's it's two oh five on pre sale uh -huh. with the uh, the Madame stopper there in the in the gift box. Okay. Um, well, we have to get a couple of those. There, and it's a beautiful. It's great for gifting for holiday for that hard. Yeah. Person to buy for on your list. And who's not going to love champagne? I know. And this presentation Especially beautiful, is filled. beautiful. Yeah. I feel like this is something that you could, um, even after you drink it. So would you, how many years does champagne last? Like some wines are better later. Tell us about, cause I didn't realize the four to five year thing. Tell us about that. So traditional champagne, even if you had like a bottle of, uh, our non-vintage, I would recommend you can you can hold that for a couple of years. I would mm -hmm. say like store it properly in a wine cellar and you know in the mid 50s and do your quarter turn every quarter and that'll be good for I would say you know, two to five years. But to okay. be honest, it's ready to drink right now. There's no okay. re no reason no to really reason to age that. Yeah. Vintage champagne that's a different story. Vintage champagne you can age it. It's only going to get more layered and more beautiful, particularly okay. being the Tete de Cuvée, the first and freshest press. Mm -hmm. The expression and the layers are just going to continue to evolve. So you'll get notes that you've never imagined with a champagne. You might, you can have a Blanc de Blanc that 10 years in gets straw notes of strawberry and you start getting banana. You get exotic flavors. Like I mentioned lychee wow. earlier, which is exotic, you know, white raspberry. These are really, really beautiful, subtle notes that you're going to get. So you can age this guy, you can age it up to 20 years and beyond. It's got a, a special cork that will handle the aging very well. And so vintage champagne, hold it. If you buy Dom, hold it for 10 years and then tell me how it is. Don't drink it right now. It's not really, it's okay. not really made to be drank right now. It really needs 10 years. This champagne, delicious right now, but in five years, 10 years, 15, it's gonna be exceptional. And you're gonna do, you're planning to do it every year, have a release. Yeah. Okay, so we went to Schramsberg, um, the American version, I guess, sparkling wine of um, in California, and they have it in the caves. They, mm -hmm. Do you store yours? And I don't know why they created caves instead of well, I, yeah, 
so talk it's, a little it's, bit about it, the different journeys. Yeah, it's pretty brilliant the way, you know, going back, going back, I'm talking about way, way, way back with wine, it's always been stored in caves. You know, that natural temperature, not in Texas, but when you start thinking about like in France, for instance, uh -huh. um, our cave's about 12 meters down. So we're looking at close to 40 feet below the surface. Uh -huh. And the, the temperature, it, it hovers in that very beautiful space, you know, in the, okay. in the 50s. So ultimately, <clears throat> you know, we're cellaring the non-vintage for five years, nine years on the vintage underground. So it's got that really cool natural temperature that we're able to sustain. So it's the same with Schramsberg in California with okay. the caves and such, yeah. And so tell him about the guy's job. What's his name? The Turner. Oh, the Riddler. Yes. Yeah. Did you know this? There's literally a guy that turns. You were mentioning turning it every quarter. Tell people this. I was Yeah, amazed. so so with traditional champagne, uh, champagne wall method, which is yes. what it's called, the champagne wall method, um, you ultimately, you get to the point where the juice is actually murky at the end of the aging process in the bottle and you have a layer of yeast at the bottom and that yeast needs to come out or the champagne's gonna be very murky. So for, the, for several weeks, you're doing a quarter turn of the bottle to where eventually, and you're tilting to where eventually the, all of the sediment is in the neck or the yeast. And the yeast is a byproduct, um, you know, essentially of the sugar that's eaten alcohol. Um, so ultimately you end up with that yeast and then you end up freezing the neck of the bottle. You freeze it, you upend it. It's like a Coke bottle cap that you pop off and that frozen sediment shoots out. And then that's when you traditionally would add in your sugar, you would add in your reserve wine, you would, it's basically like finishing the champagne. And then you add that beautiful little Madame cap on the top. So that's part of the process. And that is done about six months before we release any of our champagnes into the market. And wow. it's perfectly balanced with that finishing process. Crazy. And that with all the technology, we haven't replaced the Riddler, is that it? It really just depends on the Riddler, yeah. It really just depends on how big the house is uh -huh. or if they have the equipment because uh, there's things that we know about now that 100 plus years ago we weren't thinking about like carpal tunnel and I so know, we're trying to get away that from that. That would be a thing that that person would have. Risk oh, the, yeah, they, we've we've actually got in, in Champagne, we've, we've tried to get away from doing it all by hand. Uh -huh. um, just because it's 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 so cumbersome and there's there's equipment there's there's racks that really help with the process yeah, of, of basically making that shift yeah yeah absolutely it. so interesting okay what um what have we not talked about is there anything else you want to share are there some big events coming up are you collaborating with certain restaurants that people should know about are there more launch parties that you're doing so right now, I mean, I think uh, holistically speaking, uh, across Texas, you're going to start seeing us a lot more. We just moved into uh, um, Fredericksburg with a really beautiful Aww. little establishment called Six Twist that feature Yay. all of our champagnes, including the Grand Vintage and um, even Sidebar down in McAllen's a very beautiful concept. They brought on all three champagnes and, awesome. you know, we're, we did a really nice launch event with them and, um, you know, we're going to be doing a lot more in Dallas, DFW, yes. greater DFW from South Lake to Plano and Frisco. Um, you know, we've got some really strong clients throughout DFW, which we're really excited about. So I'll be spending more time there. We'll be mm -hmm. growing there. And then, um, 
we're just very grateful. We have some amazing partners here in Houston. Hotel Grand Duca, we're doing a white truffle dinner with them December Yay. 14th, which I can't wait to enjoy this dinner. The, the pairing that Chef Maurizio has is just uh -huh. exceptional with uh, not only from the food, but to the, the champagne. We're going to incorporate a little bit of uh, red when wine as that? well. That is December 14th. Oh, wow. And it's only for about 30 people. It's it's an Alba, but it's going to be exceptional. Uh, we have a collaboration with uh, uh, La Jardinière, uh, which mm -hmm. is, you know, exceptional French. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to be working with them very closely uh, for a true French company, too. Letting true you French. In. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's a great one. Amazing. And that's for the duration of December. We're working on a uh, it's basically a, a, a pairing that we're doing with them with all essentially all three champagnes so those are a couple of the really fun Good. things we have upcoming we have a grand vintage launch party just just a week ago so um we'd love to keep y'all updated on any of those future launch events um you know and you guys Website, can sign up yeah Instagram. madame zero madamezero.com um okay. and we can include all the all the links but you can sign up there and we'll keep you in the loop with oh, really everything that we're going to be up to there i don't think i ever signed up so um i actually go way back with the Borlingis from the Grand Duca, but I'll, um, they, we did the stonework with my family oh, um, wow. there years yeah. ago in yeah. the Montebello and Villa de Esta. Um, and they're so authentically Italian and she is actually a real Contessa. I chose to be a Contessa, mm -hmm. but she was given the Contessa <laughs> name. <laughs> so, and she said she had to ask her brother to use the crest because women don't get the family crest in Italy, mm -hmm. just the men. So um, anyway, I have great respect from everything that they do at the Grand Duca and how authentically they do it. So that all the truffle dinner sounds pretty amazing because we are truffle lovers. Oh, we might it's gonna be amazing. try to figure out how to do that. Well, oh my God, learned so much about you. I'm really amazed at how you were able, there's a term and I emailed you about it called Ikigai. And it's when you, you figure out how to live a life of purpose Yeah. and you figure out what you're passionate about, what you can make money doing, what you can um, do to make the world a better place yeah. and what people really want. And I feel like, we were chatting before, like what's happened to me in my life in the mm -hmm. last few weeks. I've had a friend that committed suicide. I lost my cousin who had a lifetime of mental retardation and challenges health wise. Um, I've had um, some great parties and events with friends and a class reunion with my sorority sisters. And all this stuff just gives you such a, a look at life that life changes at any moment. Yeah. That life is precious that um there's mental health issues there's physical health issues and we have to celebrate the moments we have to mm -hmm. choose to slow down enough mm -hmm. to be with the people that mean the most to us and i think i really wanted to host you before the holidays i feel like just hearing a bottle of champagne pop like saying those words give me chills it changes the feeling in a room, it makes people feel connection. Yeah. It makes you feel like you can find something to celebrate. And even in our darkest days, we can still find joy and something to champion. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a great way to do it. And I'm just so happy we could share this with everyone. 
for the holidays. They are hard times for a lot of people to get mm -hmm. back together with family. And there's certainly triggering moments. Definitely. But it's always better <laughs> with a little champagne, but just not too much. Because then we might all say what we regret the next day. <laughs> then they're done that too. <laughs> but as I say, good days and bad days should all finish with a glass of champagne. Amen. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but I, I, I think that, you know, going back to your point, though, you know, around around passion and, you know, really thinking about your purpose and thinking about how you can give back. I think it's really important that, um, you know, there's I know there's people out there, people listening that, you know, you're, you're still looking for that 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 real that passion or you're looking to deploy something where you can actually you can actually make money because. Mm -hmm. You know, you can try to give back, but you can't give back until you have something to give back. And um, I think it's really, really unique and, and quite beautiful with, you know, with launching Madame that early days we were thinking, I was thinking specifically about, well, how are we going to give back? You know, it's all champagne and giggles and eyes sparkling when the bottles popped and open. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we've got to have an impact in the community. Mm -hmm. And I had no clue. I was actually kind of overwhelmed with it, to be honest, because I was like, yeah. I don't even know where to start with a nonprofit. I don't know anyone with nonprofits two years ago. And um, it's been really amazing, though, you know, because once you find your purpose and your passion, you end up cre you end up meeting people and connecting with people that are equally as passionate about their purpose, even if it's a nonprofit purpose. And maybe that's all they do is philanthropy or if they have they're more business minded and business focused and it's just been really amazing because we've you know connecting with you and connecting with others that are trying to give back like the event yes. we did earlier in the year yeah. you know we with had Texas forensic nurses and you that day you said that you had more sales at that event and you were able to give back so significantly you gave back I think two thousand dollars which was incredible and you met so many new people that were really passionate about what you're doing. So I, I feel that like when there's energy, when people come mm -hmm. alive, when you do what you love, when you are, you, you, um, you receive what you put out, people yeah. feel it and they want to be with like-minded people and they, to get good things happen. Yeah. And you have to be careful because everybody, I mean, we daily we're asked for something for free yeah. daily. Somebody Absolutely. wants us to give them a bag. My favorite was somebody asked me for a Birkin for a charity that had never shopped here. And mm -hmm. I love charity, but I've never given anybody a Birkin for charity because we have to run our businesses and take care of our people too. Absolutely. So it's a, it's a balancing act. Absolutely. But. It really is. But I just think that that purpose, you know, once you find that purpose, the like-minded people, it's just amazing how I manifested yeah. like some of the nonprofits and then we ended up, you know, having that event we were able to support mm -hmm. and then like, like tonight we're doing uh, Iron Sommelier with Periwinkle. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and you know, we work with Sky High and you know, we yeah, had an amazing event. Kids yeah, yeah. Incredible. And then Arts of Healing, we did a, a really beautiful oh, gala. Yeah. Um, yeah, with Lori and Kristen Rajaman. Yes. And it's just beautiful, you know, like being able to partner with like-minded mm -hmm. people that are just, they're very passionate with their purpose as well. And one of the other cool things is we all love champagne. Yeah, <laughs> and we all love to have a little fun. <laughs> Absolutely. We love to have some great fun. Um, thank you so much for having me. Yep, loved it. You are living the authentic life. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Hope you have a fabulous celebration ahead with some Madame Syrup. <laughs>